Let us bow our heads in prayers. Let your living water flow over our souls. Let your Holy Spirit come and take control of every situation that has troubled our minds. All our cares and burdens unto you I roll. All our tears and burdens unto you I roll. All our fears and burdens unto you I roll. I thank you, Lord, for this hour. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of all of us gathered at your presence this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts you've put in our hearts this morning. And unto you, and I'll roll our joys, our struggles, our pains. Unto you, we roll everything that troubles us. And we know, Lord, that on this joyful day, you have put your joy in our hearts. Grant us now the grace to open our eyes that we always see the beauty that you've put in us and around us. Let your word this morning, Lord, be our comfort. Let it be our joy. Let it be our strength. For we do make our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let the church say amen. amen. Ah, thank you so much. You know, there's this parable titled The Graduation Gift. And the story goes that there was this young high school kid who rightly knows that his parents could buy him any gift at all he wanted for his graduation. And he was right about that. And so one day he comes back from school and he says, Mom, Dad, guess what? And the parents are like, what? He says, you know what the Joneses are getting their son for graduation? And they're like, no. He said, yeah, they're getting him a package for a beautiful vacation to the Bahamas. And the parents were like, really? Oh, that's nice, that's nice. Anyway, a few days after, the young boy decides to now be more direct. And so he says, Mom, Dad, this is really what I want for my graduation. I want a car 
of this make, of this model. And the parents smiled and they didn't say yes, they didn't say no. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And days went by as the countdown to the graduation began. Guess the song that was heard, the only song that you could hear in the house. My graduation gift, my graduation gift, my graduation gift. Well, eventually the graduation day arrived. And very early in the morning of that day, the parents went to his door and they knocked on his door and said, Hey, son, we'd like to have a conversation with you. And he said, Listen, son, we're so pleased with you and we are proud of you. We are grateful for this milestone you've made in your life. Your dad and I have decided to give you this Holy Bible. We ordered for it. It's an expensive Bible. The print is beautiful with a lot of colorful pictures in it. And so we want you, son, to accept this as our graduation gift. And the boy was not having any of that. He was like, what? Bible? You mean of all gifts in the world, what you want to give me for my graduation is a Bible? I said, I'm not touching that. I will not accept that. And the parents were kind of disappointed. I said, take it from us first. He said, no, I am not taking it. I am not accepting it. And the parents, out of disappointment, placed the Bible on the table in the boys' room and walked away. And for some days, the boy was sulking, was not saying anything to the parents, was not happy with the parents, was not ready to accept the gift the parents had given to him for graduation. Anyway, a few days after, as the boy was moving things around in his room, the Bible fell from that table where the parents had placed it, and guess what fell out of it? Right after the back of that envelope of the Bible was a white envelope. And at this point, the boy froze. Like, what? So there was something in this Bible? And the boy now opened up the envelope. Guess what he saw? First of all, was a receipt of a new car paid for 100%. But that was not the only thing in the envelope. There was also a receipt of a warranty for the life of the car. But there was even something more beautiful. The parents paid for an upgrade program. In other words, the boy could take the car to the dealership every year and get the latest model of the car. At this point, the boy was already shivering and tears were running down his cheeks and he runs out of the living room and says, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of course, you know, this is a made-up story, right? But the point is that at the heart of this message is a spiritual message. That you and I sometimes are like this high school kid. We often ask God for a lot of gifts, 
And we know and we believe that God has the resources to give us anything we want. The only problem is that like this high school, high school kid, sometimes our eyes are set on the packaging. If only we may take some time and dig deep in that word of God, we will discover all the beautiful gifts that God has put in your heart and put in my heart. And no wonder Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and what happens? And every other thing will be added unto you. And what is it that will be added unto you? The Gospel of Luke says, Good measure, a good measure, Packed together, shaken down, and overflowing will be poured onto your lap. That is the kind of gift that God is giving to all of us this morning. And so what we're going to do is to keep asking him now for the grace to open our eyes so that we always recognize these gifts that God has given to us. Now, for the rest of this homily, I would like to call our attention to three important gifts based on our readings this morning that God has put in your heart and put in my heart. We're going to look at the gift of spiritual insight. We're going to, number two, look at the gift of God's anointing power in your life. And number three, we're going to look at the gift of living water. So let's briefly unpack these three gifts. First of all is the gift of spiritual insight. I'd like you to notice what is happening in the first reading this morning. When God asked Samuel to go to Jesse and anoint one of the sons of Jesse as king. And Samuel and Jesse were products of their culture. And so they were operating on a normal cultural script. Their mindset had been already shaped by their cultures. One of the scripts you will notice that is operating in that first reading is what is called primogeniture. And so primogeniture is that mindset or that cultural script that says that the firstborn son usually gets everything. If there's something that belongs to the family, something coming to the family, it first of all goes to the firstborn son, and then you can go down according to that rank. And so primogeniture is a cultural script that says what comes to you in society depends on where you were born, what zip code were you raised, were you on the east shore or on the west shore, So your status of birth determines what happens to you in life. Primogeniture. The second script is patriarchy. Jesse decides to bring out his seven sons, one after the other. Are you really saying that Jesse did not have girls? Are you kidding me? But of course, it's a man's word, man. A man's word. 
patriarchy. Now let's fast forward. Do you think like Jesse and Samuel right now as we listen, we do not have our own cultural scripts? Things that unconsciously have shaped the way we relate with each other and sometimes impede how we see God in each other? Once upon a time, the earth rotated around the sun. Today, the earth rotates around me. 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 Aha! That's a cultural mindset. And so when we now live in a culture where it's me, 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 sometimes we do not, we do not have time for the things that matter. And that's why, as you heard last Sunday, when we think we have nothing in common with each other, that's when we become fearful and suspicious of each other. When you think you are R and I'm a D and there's nothing that brings us together, Americans are busy fighting each other, calling each other names, sending nasty means about each other, and we're like, stop, stop. And let's return to the heart of worship. Let's return to the heart of love. And let us ask God for spiritual insight so that we see as God sees, not as man sees or as our cultures would want us to see. Somebody say amen. amen. The second gift I'd like to call our attention to is the power of anointing that God has given to all of us by our baptism. I'd like you to notice what happened in the gospel. Jesus anoints the blind man's eyes and says to him, Go, you go and wash in Siloam. What does that tell us? It tells you and me that we are active participants in the salvation economy. God is bringing you salvation, yes, but he wants you to be active and participate actively in that salvation. Now, talking about active participation, let's create an analogy for that. Imagine there is this person. Let's give him a name. Call him Zach. Or you can call him any name. Call him um, Gingerman. Or call him Snowman. Whatever name you call him, that's fine with me. So now let's imagine that Zach wins a million dollars in the Pennsylvania lottery. Okay? However, Zach does not trust the banks. He doesn't trust Wall Street. He doesn't trust any institutions at all. So Zach decides to go to the bank and withdraw the entire $1 million all in cash. Bring it home, go down to his basement, lock it up in a vault, put the key in his pocket, and say to himself, yeah, now I can sleep conveniently. What's wrong with that scenario? What's the problem with that scenario? The huge problem is this. That $1 million is now frozen in value. 
Because the true value of that money is when it is in transaction with other monies in the free market. When that money can interact with other monies in stocks and bonds, buys and sells stocks, that is the only way that money continues to grow. Now, the gift of God in your heart is like a quintillion dollars that God has put in you. And it will not have true value if it is locked up and not in communion and in transaction with other people. And so it's not really enough to come to church every Sunday and sit on the pews and just that's enough. You've got to make up your mind today to do something. Find a ministry. Sing in a choir. Be a lector. Be a Eucharistic minister. Even if it means stapling bulletins. That's something. But you've got to do more than just coming and sitting on the pews active participation in our salvation economy. And now let me close finally by reminding us of the third gift God is giving to all of us this morning. The gift of living water. Notice what happened in the gospel. Jesus tells the blind man, go wash in the pool of Shiloh. That statement has three healing graces all wrapped up in one. First healing grace, the word healing. Healing by the word of God. Number two, mind healing. The power of God to heal our mindsets. And third one, touch healing. The word healing is the power of God in his word to heal you. And say, when Jesus says, my spirit is word, my spirit is true and life, he means it. When Jesus says to you, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance, it is true. You can take it to the bank any day and believe me, you will cash it. Because his word to you and his promises to you is true. When he tells the blind man, you go, the blind man knows that that word is true and will always be. Second healing is the mind healing. Here is a blind man who had lived all his life in desperation, in discouragement, and now Jesus says to him, go, wash. The distance between Jesus and the pool of Shiloam, something is transforming the man's mind. A mind that was despairing suddenly is now bubbling in hope. It's now hopeful. The man knows that at the end of the tunnel, my light is coming. Amen. The man knows that at the end of his darkness, the sunshine is coming. Mind healing. And finally, touch. For each time you come to Mass, and you receive Jesus in the Eucharist, in the body and blood of Christ, there is a miracle happening in your life. There is a healing going on in your heart. There is a transformation, a transfiguration that is happening in your life. And that's the gift that God gives to us this morning. Let us now bow and pray.
Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul.